Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. We are here with Father Mike, and he's back what? for a couple days. That's Father Michael O'Loughlin. Yeah. O'Loughlin. Thank you. Sorry about that. Not at all. Rare, we got a pro- rarely we, is that understood. We got a professor named O'Loughlin. And really? I think it's spelled the same way. Yeah. Sem- uh, uh, a philosophy professor, Tom. How long have you had him? I at mean, the, it, at is, the seminary. Is this while I've been here? Or are you yeah. talking about Rome? No, 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 no. This How is about SJV. Oh, wow. Philosophy. Okay. I just, no, nobody ever said that. He's one of the coolest dudes. Okay. Well, welcome back, man. Thank you. Welcome to Denver, the Mile High City. I'm here for uh, multiple things. Uh, Sister Natalia's uh, week home, so she, the nuns of Christ the Bridegroom get a uh, home visit once a year. Where are they located? Uh, at Burton, Ohio, outside of Cleveland. Okay, welcome back, Sister Natalia. Yes, welcome back for You're well-loved. Well. We got a priest in from Indiana. Yeah. Traveled in to visit um, with Shout a huge to- F-150. <laughs> Very hard to park, parallel park in downtown <laughs> Denver. Jeff Dufresne. I guess it's very different. Although he lives in downtown Indianapolis, so oh, but okay. I'm guessing he has so he can handle it. Pastor parking that so he, yeah, has, yeah. he doesn't need to back it in like we do here at the Capani's house. Well, and in Indiana, like everywhere in the Midwest, the the streets are like super wide. Oh uh, yeah, you know, I lived in Rome where everything's super tight, and uh, I just remember going back to I think Minnesota, and there was so much space. You ever been to Paris? Yeah. So Paris, supposedly, I heard this that the, the roads are really wide because Paris has traditionally had so many protests and riots. Oh. Um, that that they they built wider streets to kind of facilitate keeping order when that happens. So it's like oh, one wow. of the few. I think it's the, the European town with the widest streets that are as far as like the ancient cities. They go. must have had to push back buildings and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So how's California? I hear. Uh, from Will Smith, that California knows how to party. <laughs> you remember yes, that? I do. That's really funny. I, I bet our listeners are too young now. But you know what? That's really funny because I, I, I did not associate that with Will Smith, but I posted a meme when I, like when I first got out there. There was this hilarious, and it's not even a meme, it's just a photo of some Orthodox bishop, like fully, totally dressed out as an Orthodox bishop, crown, you know, everything, a staff. All the icons, all the vestments, and he's sitting there enthroned, and there's all these faithful kind of gathered around him, and they're all dressed to the nines because the bishop's here, you know. And then there's this one kid, little kind of chubby kid right at the very front, oh, yeah. just wearing a t shirt that says Californians know how to party. Yes. <laughs> Come on, and man. I'm like, oh, there's both my worlds collided yeah. in one photo. In the city of LA. <laughs> so um, I always consider California the holiest state in the nation. Wow. Because it's all named after. Yeah. Saints and angels and that is true. San Francisco, Santa Barbara, San, Santa Clara, yeah, Los Angeles, Los Gatos. Have you no. felt closer to the <laughs> angels? You know, I I've been trying to intentionally do that. So oh, nice. the day I found out I was getting moved, I was up in Seattle for a youth rally, and Bishop was there, and he's and that's when he told me. Um, and when he told me I was getting moved, I and he told me to which town, of course, he said moved to L.A. And so I. I started noticing angels every, like even at the ah. camp, like every time our chalices are, of course, very elaborate and our rapidia symbolize the angels in the Byzantine church. I don't know church. what a rapidia so, is. Rapidia is a, an, initially in the ancient church was a fan, like a, like a fan that you wave to keep the flies off the ah. sp- precious species, the mysteries. Kind of like our Paul. 
Okay. So then, so then that that became later on. It, obviously, you got to add some sort of spiritual symbolism to it. So they they called it the angels, like the wings of the angels. So ah. imagine these big fans and those, that like the servers are carrying that wand, it, it, the deacon, exactly. The yeah, fan. I remember these now. Yeah. So the deacon waves them. So right now, now they're very ornate, and they're usually since they symbolize the angels, the angels' wings present there at the, at the mystery. Ah. Uh, so they have usually they're very decorated, very nice with the angels. But I started noticing angels everywhere, and I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. That's a little. A little. I told Bishop that because he knew I didn't want to go. So yeah, and I said, you know, Bishop, I'm starting to see the angels everywhere. It's a, it's a little consolation from our Lord. Well, your name is Michael. Right. It's only fitting. Yeah, that's true. And you're in Anaheim. What does that mean? I'm actually in L.A. Oh, yeah. Okay. I so, take it back. Yeah. All I know is Disneyland <laughs> and Anaheim. I thought you were in Anaheim. It is kind of one big, one big area. No, I'm in L.A. We do have a different. That the only reason I say that is because we do have another Byzantine parish in Anaheim. Annunciation. Oh, okay. And then, Maybe that's what I was thinking. But about. like here in Denver, of course, I was the only Byzantine church in the whole state. Um, so it was very different. Oh, than that's right. There we have one in near San Bernardino, one in Anaheim. Well, one you had two here, didn't you? Have Fort Collins? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I guess so. But I, I took care of you both. Started of them. that. I yeah. have brother priests at two other parishes within an hour of me, and then one like three hours north in San Luis Obispo, ah. which they call slow. I'm learning how to see. Go. I told you, California is holy. Yeah. You got all San Luis Obispo, of course. Yeah. All these Byzantines. Do you know who San Luis Obispo was? I was talking this with the pastor. No. St. Louis, the bishop. Yeah, I guess that's kind of an obscure. I still don't know. I, don't know I, I didn't who look it, it is, up. No. Okay, it's like. Oh, okay, a, so you brought it up, but then <laughs> you don't have an answer. Hello, hey, hey Siri. It's I, like a quiz show. I didn't even know I turned on Siri, but she just literally it just. It I don't just trust those things, dude. I don't. They know. They just listen. I need to turn it off because I just said I just watch. Hey Siri. Well, yeah, if you say that, right? Yeah, but how do I turn that off? I don't, don't, I don't want her listening in. Oh you got a gosh. phone? You're going to be talking oh to gosh. Siri. What, what, you don't have an iPhone, do you? I do. Oh, you do? That's an iPhone, okay. But I don't even think she listens. That's good. Maybe she's off. Well, I'd I check, check the settings. Yeah, I'm sure there's a way of turning that off because that's kind of scary. Well, she might tell you who San Luis Obispo is. Oh, but I actually told this to Goble on my last podcast with him before I left. Do you know what the full name of Los Angeles is? No. See now, <laughs> oh come on! I know. Man. Okay, say something holy, and I'm gonna look it up. Oh, say God is good. Say something deep. Um. I can't. I can't really do that right now. I'm just fresh back, so I went to the Grand Canyon with my family. Ah, very cool. Yeah, my parents and my sister, and it was awesome. I had never been to the Grand Canyon, and it was glorious. I'm telling you, man, this is like one of those great creations. You have no idea how that happened. Yeah. You know, not saying that it's like not natural. But it's just grand. Okay, so here it is. El pueblo, el pueblo de Nuestra Señora la Reina de los Ángeles. Oh, so it's not about the angels. It's, it's Mary. the lady. It's Our Lady, right? Uh, it's Our Our Lady, but uh, of the angels. La, la, oh, Queen of the Angels. Yeah. So Queen of Angels. So the town is even better, right? And then they just shortened it because that was a really long name. Yes, exactly. But yeah, so it's actually Our Lady, Queen of Angels. Okay. Yeah, which is the name of the cathedral, Roman Catholic Cathedral there. Makes and sense. what's yours? Uh, mine is uh, is named after Pokrov or the same Holy Protection. Oh yeah. So, but instead of calling it Holy Protection, they call it Saint Mary's. But but the feast is October first, which is the feast of the Holy Protection, Mother of God. Ah, yeah. so well, I, that's fitting too. I've gone through. You know? I've had two parishes as a priest, and both were called were named after her Mary. Holy Protection of the Mother of God for Mary oh, and Holy and Holy Protection, same feast. Yeah. Maybe all of the churches in the Byzantine. World, Ruthenian world are. You have, there's a lot of St. Mary's, of course, and a lot, I think there's probably actually more Dormition or oh. Assumption. 
same feast, but Dormition, the, yeah. the falling asleep of the mother of God. I bet there's actually more Dormition feast than there is holy protection, but I could be wrong. I should look it up. But just the fact that I've, we only have two parishes in the whole eparchy named after this, and I, I've had both of them well, now. I have, you know, I had, uh, it, well, yeah, history of insomnia. So maybe I should be praying to the sweet sleep oh, of Our Lady, you know, in you devotion go. to the Dormition. Nice, nice, nice. Well, okay, so... What else can you say about LA? I mean, we just moved into the companion's house. Yeah. I just started today my new assignment at the cathedral. Congratulations. I'm going to go to the seminary and uh, finish my contract with Greek, teaching Greek. Okay. You know, I do that for the Byzantines. Nice. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of change going on. Yeah. So it's just like a great time to see you and yeah, thank you. kind of ground it again. Yeah. So you just started your new assignment today. Yep. And you're at the cathedral. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I just started the day. I went over there this morning, 7 a.m. when I was scheduled, and then uh, Sacristan didn't know whether or not I'd show up because I've been on like this vacation <laughs> slash retreat for the last 10 days. That's funny. And then, uh, so the, he got another priest, so we just oh. did meetings and stuff, and then I got, I got mass this evening. Oh, I see, okay. But yeah, new assignment. That's cool. It's exciting. Now, I, don't, I don't mean to jump into like archdiocesan politics here, but I'm, I'm trying to build oh, up boy. Archbishop Collier. But did he assign you there? One of the reasons is so that you could live here at the Companions House? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. In part, I yeah. Love it. yeah. We, we've been praying for the Companions that, we, that all of us, including you guys, would get assigned close enough to live together. And the fact that you're at the cathedral that you can walk to from here is amazing. Yeah, it's great. So we got four priests living here and... Um, the other three guys are pastors and they, um, they commute just, what, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah, it really worked out. Thank you, Father Randy Dollins. Thank you, Archbishop. Amen. Exactly. Um, Samuel Aquila. It's, uh, it is a great you know, joy to be moving in yeah. together. Yeah. And I then you got to pray for us because community life isn't easy. Right. But so far, so good. I mean, it really has been a joy. And, good. You know, good. We're settling in. I'm, and pray for me, actually, if you're listening to this, pray for me that because uh, I'm I'm really trying to see if our Lord wants companions in LA. Yeah, and there's little little glimmers of hope. Okay, actually, big glimmers of okay. hope recently. So I can't say more than that. But it, it's I mean, we haven't even contacted Archbishop Gomez yet, but my bishop knows that that I'm looking into this. Olmsted does. So anyway, we're 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 still working on all that groundwork. But the, again, the little glimmers are starting to be that there might be men at least who who would be open to some form of fraternal life within nice. the diocesan priesthood. Well I had good I'll friends in, in Rome who are now working at the seminary in Camarillo. So uh, oh. yeah. Okay. Shout out to Swavik, shout out to Gus, shout out to Tim and Marco. Okay. Um yeah these guys are great guys. Um, and I remember, especially Gustavo, having a lot of respect for the Companions Project mm. and being very interested. Not that he's going to join your crew, right. but um, that there was a lot of support there. Okay. And he's in, um, well, they're all in seminary formation. So okay. they're probably promoting priestly fraternity. Oh, amen. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Well, I might be back in touch then to see who I need to send letters to. Yeah. Once, once, well, this is once like a Gomez setup. gives the nod. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Archbishop right. Gomez. Yeah. <laughs> you're on the spot. <laughs> we'll see. But Camarillo is only 45 minutes from me. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's really it looked nice. cool. Yeah. I'm gonna oh, have to Camarillo come out and visit. Please do. You know, sometime. I have plenty of space. I'm afraid of big cities. Oh. And I hear L.A. is a large city. It is, but I'm in the valley, and it doesn't. It doesn't, especially at my parish, it doesn't feel like a big city. We're surrounded by apartments and condos. So like it looks, you see people, but you don't see the skyscrapers. You can see the hills. You can see, yeah. you know, nature. 
I'm also afraid of valleys. <laughs> I'm a mountain guy. <laughs> well, I guess there's valleys and mountains too. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, other than that, honestly, it's, it's I feel I feel like I'm actually sliding myself a little bit by saying I'm starting to really like it there. Like I miss the people here, absolutely. But I do I do really like. Los there's Angeles. nothing wrong with that, dude. No, it's and I'm, I'll I be think, there you know, probably a while. You're also so. like a, a live where you are kind of guy. Yeah, absolutely. Just enjoy it in the moment where you are. I'm just why not I'm be jealous happy? of that, man. Mm. I miss that. Mm. Um, but I you know I feel that. Why not be happy? Yeah. I like that. And so, have you got to visit friends over here? A little bit, yeah. So, I mean, I saw some of my old parishioners, and I, I really okay. can't because of COVID. I wish I could do oh, like this. Yeah. You know what? Let's just have a massive party, and anybody who wants to see me will just do another party like we did at Lords when I was leaving. Yeah. But with COVID, it's just it's like nearly impossible oh, no. to do almost anything. So, mm. so I'm going to be missing. I mean, I, most a lot of people don't even know I'm here, and I really can't tell them because I don't have the time to you yeah. know hit every single person. So, and this is this will be published after you're gone. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, everybody. But um, what about I'll the? Be back. Yeah, what about the COVID? I heard California is pretty tight. It was. Um, so for a month and a half, I didn't leave the property at all. Wow. I wanted to go grocery shopping once in a while. You know, put my mask, gloves. I did all of that. That makes meeting new parishioners and connecting pretty hard. But you've been it there does. long enough. It does. I found without revealing too much, I found very creative ways, which I think was a mandate from God and most of the bishops. To to continue to administer the sacraments to the wow. people, and you so, know what? Can I guess? <laughs> I don't know if I'll say yes or no, but you, you can certainly Elon guess. Elon Musk is building tunnels <laughs> under under the city, and he's building Byzantine chapels. <laughs> and you chapels. have a way of like connecting with weird, famous people. So that's funny. Oh, I did that. get I did get a couple weird, famous people to subscribe to Catholic stuff, though. Mm. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to shout out their names here right. on the air. But I'll What's tell you up, Will Smooth? Yeah. <laughs> but I've, I've been to a couple of birthday parties where there's like actors and actresses there, and and one of the, some of them were like just like kind of weirded out that I was a priest. Like yeah. we get all the time, you know. And um, and they were asking these questions, and um, and so at the end of at the end of the whole conversation, they kind of were intrigued by just the faith. Yeah. And so they yeah. said, you know, you know, what, how can we follow you on Instagram or whatever? And I'm like, honestly, the best thing is just subscribe to Catholic stuff. You should know. And they both. Like right there, open their phones and yeah, it's subscribe. Right. Well, I was like, they're both born and raised Catholic. Left, you know, when they were young, young, and yeah. okay. so I was like, Amen, right. Holy Spirit, do your All thing. Right, right on. Yeah. Well, greetings to Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, he's like one of my favorites. <laughs> You're just gonna say every celebrity you know. <laughs> yeah, right. See if I, I don't have any tells. A lot of, a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'll tell you afterwards. But yeah. Okay. Well, it's great to hear, man. Yeah, I'm happy That's for good. you. It's good to see you. You too. Um, glad things are going well. Yeah. I'm not surprised because you are one of these happy where you are kind of guys, and um, yeah, it's ha- I'm, I'm happy to report that things are going well over here too. Good. I think the uh, our guys, you know, our priests are doing great in their parishes. It's been a really strange experience with parish life. Yeah, you, you're doing masses in front of cameras. Yeah, and like live streaming and stuff. And I think the people have been remarkably patient and and mm-hmm. also like just generous. With God, you know, putting in that extra time in prayer and studying the scriptures, um, trying to connect with each other in creative ways. We had a rosary. I did a rosary with parishioners at uh, 9 p.m. every night for a few months. And love it. um, So there's just like a lot of creativity because people love each other and want to stay connected. It's beautiful. That has been nice. I mean, we had, we only started doing matins and vespers at our parish maybe three or four weeks before COVID hit. So, 
um, so it was just people are just learning about these services, you know, that, yeah. are, that I, I want to help grow in the parish. And so we did a few matins, and we actually got quite a few more people than I expected to at the first few. But then we'd get a lot more watching on Facebook and people commenting. You know, not only like you see the number of views, and like that can't be right. There's like always more than you think would watch matins. Like how much would they actually watch and pray? Mm. But um, but we get people commenting like. What is this service again? Yeah, like I've never what seen this I before. Into, I grew yeah. up in this church. I didn't know this, and so a lot of people are kind of it's it's making those prayers more accessible. And I'm hoping that that'll actually get them once everything is over to come to the church to celebrate those things because there are some people that are legitimately vulnerable to get COVID and really really afraid that they or someone they love is going to get it. So we have to be very gentle with them too, kind of as we open back up, making sure that we're doing all the precautions and things like yeah. that for even I mean, just for the sake the of charity, line. you know. Yeah. For them, so anyway. I think you know. I keep telling people like, there's a lot of people who are um, frustrated about. I think little things, you know, not to be too hard on them and judgmental, but um, things like we are asking people to receive communion on the hand. Yeah, you know, and a lot of the ancient fathers talk about receiving communion on the hand, like making a uh, manger for our mm. for our Lord, yeah, or making a throne. For God. Now I know you. That's not your practice, right? Um, but I've been I've been talking about. I think it it can be helpful to frame it this way: that it's a respect for life issue mm. because we you know we teach that against things like euthanasia because it, and the rest of society might say, well, these people are weak and they're dying already. You know, just you know, cut them off. Yeah. And uh, you mean there's like a real malicious attitude that way. But there's also just like kind of like a certain um, I don't know recognition of a fallen world and and just nature, yeah. kind of how it works. Death is a reality, yeah. so it comes. Maybe it's just going to come a little sooner. Yeah. And um, and I've seen that kind of disregard at times with this COVID. Like, well, why do we change things? We should just let the weak die. Right. And it's scary. Yeah. Like when you hear that stuff, it's like no, no. I mean. I've, I was at the nursing home mm. for a month every day. Wow. These people are wonderful. Yeah. You don't want to just right. let them go because they're vulnerable. Right. That's not how it works. So even like convincing a lot of the young people will say, well, I'm not susceptible. Right. But it spreads in society if yeah. we're not careful. So I do think it's, it's the old people who are going to die. You know the vulnerable yeah. people, and if if you're being reckless, then woe to you right. for being reckless right. because you're putting people at risk. Yeah. Not yourself. Fine, you're going to live through it, but right. you, so you know what I mean. It's I I I think it is helpful to kind of frame the rules aren't just for you. Yeah, you know it is a respect for life issue, yeah. and we fight, fight, fight for that. Yeah, and then we have to live it. You know. Yeah, I've just I've said you know it's maybe just I need to get off social media, but the, there's something about. Everybody, there's so much different data and different science in different areas that I'm just going, when people ask that, I'm like, how can this person on Facebook that went to four years of college like I did, got a degree in theology, and that you know has been living in the world, working a normal job for 12 years like I have, how do they know which science is right and which is wrong? Like, and they come out on social media being so strong, like this is right, and you know, I'm like, like I, I am totally comfortable saying I don't know. Yeah, and therefore I am totally comfortable listening to the bishops. And you know, the bishops, I feel bad for them because they're the ones who have to be informed. They're the ones that need to make decisions. They're the ones that need to. And again, yeah. I, if I had the time to do that, if I was a bishop, I would do it too. But there, there, there's a great lack of humility. Yeah, I see going on in in, in what people are doing, and I think that. 
the test of all of this. Again, people are going to die and we can do things to prevent it. But as far as like, what did you do with, with your soul during this anxiety? It's like, in other words, I think even more important than are you wearing a mask or not wearing a mask? Are you receiving in the hand or the mouth? Are you, you know, are you doing all these things? Like, how did you love? Like, you talked mm. to the poor and the vulnerable. Like, that's the stuff I think I think Jesus cares about, and yeah. then that's actually going to affect our souls. And that's where people, a lot of people, are getting that horribly wrong. They're just yeah. they're they're, they're the vitriol up. and everything else is. And I say this is the stuff that 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 the, the health of your soul depends on. And we Christians need to, in a sense, say, we'll do the health of the body stuff, but we're, we'll listen to what we think is best and we'll move on. But but the health of the soul stuff is so much more important. Mm-hmm. And I think people are getting that very, very wrong because they think they know and they're not scientists. And yeah. they're sitting there spouting off and condemning people that, that don't agree with them. And, and, I'm, and I'm the just bishops, going, oh. they're not just like listening to your, whatever that you're, you know, your social media information. They have experts that they're consulting with. Right. And the experts are as informed as anybody can be. Yeah. So they're, they're not just off the cuff. Yeah. Like a lot of us are kind yeah. of opining about things. All right. Well, that's COVID. Okay. Right? <laughs> 2020. <laughs> that topic one over. Uh, and <laughs> from the mics. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I haven't seen you for a while. I have just been to New Mexico. It is your homeland. It is my homeland. And I thought I would just bring up a few uh, holy sites. Beautiful. And pieces of uh, my journey. Beautiful. That that really spoke to me. Okay. So the first one was that while we were driving to New Mexico, and then a little bit in New Mexico, we were listening to a book on tape of uh, Willa Cather's Death Comes to the Archbishop. Okay. You know that one? I do. Yeah, it's about two uh, two French missionary bishops who um, who come kind of take on the adventure of coming to the it's United States. Like historical States. fiction, so it's it's based upon true stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's the the two characters are based on um, Archbishop LeMay, the first um, Archbishop of Santa Fe, mm. and when when you say Santa Fe, it means everything in the West except California. <laughs> exactly. You know, it was like stretches from New Mexico. It, it um, he took over in from the the bishop of Durango, which mm. was like all of Western Mexico, okay. and then up into the to North America, and um, and so with the Louisiana Purchase, you have this um, expansion, and um, it sort of changed the lines. And there there was a lot of different. Um, immigrant groups that were new. So traditionally, New Mexico certainly, but Colorado was also evangelized by um, Spanish Franciscans, mostly Franciscans. And, um, and there was a lot of like Hispanic kind of culture there, mm-hmm. uh, Native American and Hispanic and settlement. And then with the, um, the gold mines, you had this influx of mm-hmm. folks from the East Coast and um, all of these American kind of pioneers and miscreants that yeah. <laughs> ended up looking for gold. Yeah. I mean, it was a rough life, so you had to be kind of down and out. Um, so then there were like all of these new sort of possibilities and opportunities for mission work. And um, one, of the, one of the bishops who was doing mission work in... Uh, St. Louis or Ohio? I think he was in Ohio. Um, went to went back to France to his, his seminaries there and recruited. And these two young priests um, agreed to go 
on mission to the, mm. to um, America, and um, the now the story tells that Matchbuff had to um, some of, it's Lemay Archbishop Lemay first of Santa, Santa Fe, Fe and then um, what would be Bishop Matchbuff the Denver. first of Denver yeah and and Salt Lake it was kind of okay. the two together so then. Um, the story tells that he was afraid to leave because his father wanted him there. Mm. And I think in the story, his father also didn't want him to be a priest. And he became a priest, and then his dad accepted it, and he was there. And then he had to escape in the cover of the night. Oh. And he just ran off <laughs> and went to America, I guess, Got with his friend, uh, <laughs> Father LeMay. Now, they have different names in the story, but I'm not even sure why. Um, it is... Yeah. You know, strongly based on their life, but there are a lot of these anecdotal stories yeah. that um, don't really tell something historical, but kind of capture the milieu of the church in those early days mm. and what it would be like to be a missionary. Mm. So you had all of these kind of um, mostly um, priests who are kind of acting out or not acting out. How do you, how do you say that? When they, like one's greedy. One's kind of a uh, floozy. Um, mm. Some of them are lazy. And the bishop has to go around and call these guys to conversion. Okay. And then there's a couple of pious guys who are okay. really gems, but they're kind of few and far between. Yeah, you're, you're going to find that probably. And I would, I would imagine too, I mean, this is definitely a case and I don't want to, I'm, I'm generalizing here. I don't want to name anybody in particular, but there, there's, a, there's kind of the, Conventional wisdom about the founding of our Byzantine Catholic Church in the U.S. was that initially we just had Pittsburgh, then they added Passaic, New Jersey, then they added Parma. So when it was just those three eparchies, and even I think when it was just Pittsburgh and Passaic, they would kind of send the troublemaking priests out west yes. to get just far away from them. So you can almost imagine, like, if you had this troubled priest, you're just like, we're going to send you on a mission to the new world. Yeah. You probably can't get in that much trouble hey, out you'd there. Be great. And, you'd yeah, be a great exactly. Missionary. I, I, I've prayed about this. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds familiar. Other side of the world. When I was ordained, I was sent west, <laughs> northwest Colorado. That's funny. Um, it, that's true about Denver, too. Uh, they Matchbuff recruited from the East Coast a lot of TB priests, so TB. tuberculosis. Oh, okay. They, the air is um, dry oh, here. right, okay. So um, that was kind of thing. He also said, hey, give me all the priests you don't want. Wow. And he took them on. So we're kind of hmm. like, I think of it like the Australia yeah. Of, I don't know what the church. It's a penal colony. The Roman <laughs> Roman right. Yeah. And now I don't know. Yeah, that's true about everybody. But um, yeah, kind of works like that. Yeah. Go west. Freedom. There is a certain there is a certain adventure that I think some people that I mean if if you think about it, I don't mean to get off topic, but a lot of a lot of the most successful comedians, like stand up comedians, are incredibly smart. And I think they're so smart in a society that doesn't reward their intellect that they've a lot of them have turned to drugs and alcohol to numb, to kind of bring them down yeah. so they can exact kind of function in a society that is so that just doesn't understand how bright they are. And then, but then you also see that a lot of times there's not only are they smart, but they've also undergone great you know bullying and abuse yeah. that is then processed into comedy, and then all of that is kind of. Drugs and alcohol used to slow it down, and so you get all these people that I mean, like severely depressed people that, for for whatever psychological reasons, and then they also have drugs and alcohol on top mm. of it, and and this this unfortunately makes very successful comedy. 
you yeah. know, kind of watch yourself, especially self-deprecating stuff that I like. You know, well, and, a and, lot of it is, you know. Yeah, and you then just then, make fun of stuff. But I really do think that the people that are usually they say really like really good comedians have just had a rough life, and somehow they use comedy to kind of as an escape, yeah, yeah. and that's processed over years. That but I, I think it's also I think they're some of the smartest people. Yeah. Well, I would agree with everything except that last part for our funny friend, Father Nathan Goebel. <laughs> well, but, you you struggle through adversity. Yeah, he would admit a lot of no, that. No, he's a smart guy. But too. he is a very smart guy. I yeah, think I don't think he's super wit. I don't think he's. I don't think many people understand how smart he is. Because, I mean, but if you like, you and I have sat down with him, obviously his companions, and we discussed we discussed things, and it shows on the podcast too. I think a little bit, but he is he is incredibly bright. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was a great student. Yeah. He's yeah, he's and it comes out in his comedy. I just like making well. fun of him. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of my own insecure comedy. Uh, I see that, and I think you know, there's probably a part of that too. That's like um, life on the road. You yeah. know, like yeah. bands are like that too. Mm-hmm. You don't just keep going and going. Unsettled, yeah. and there's nothing settled, and uh, you got a lot of late nights and yeah. um, strange hours and yeah. all these gigs and. Um, yeah, I think it'd be easy to get roped into that. Shout out life. to uh, shout out to Mike Miley, the drummer for Rival Sons, who's new, one of my new buddies in, All right, in LA. Mike. And he uh, he has great stories about uh, about stuff on the road and just that culture. As I said to him, you know, what did you call it? Rival Sons. Rival Sons. The name is bad. Is it yeah. heavy metal? No, it's 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 like it's like a it's no. I mean, they they they're, had to stop touring because of COVID, but they um, they're they're all my age. And they, uh, it's like it's just like rock and roll. It's just yeah. basic rock and roll. Oh, yeah. I like that. It's good stuff. It's not. It's not. As far as I can tell, it's not trying too hard. I've listened to a lot of their stuff. But yeah, check out Rival Sons, um, Mike Miley on the drums. Um, but he. Uh, but I was. I said, you know, is it, is it as romanticized like the rock and roll oh, lifestyle? Yeah. And he's like, well, I did marry a hot Estonian girl that was a fan. <laughs> he did. Yeah, all right. And then they, they have two kids and then this amazing Catholic family. Um, and uh, and then he and he's like, hey yeah. guys, hey guys at Lords, <laughs> you're looking for a spouse, join a band, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and then, but he says like, you know, I would, you finish the show, you get, you go go into the back, you kind of detox off the show, and then you have all these fans kind of waiting between the venue and the tour bus. So they'll walk down. He says I'd walk down with a you know beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other. And then just you know, put a cigarette in my mouth, sign an autograph, shake a hand, go to the next person. And he says that takes about twenty minutes to get from the venue to the bus after you've shaken his hand. Then you get back on the bus and you go. And then they they, they continue drinking on the bus, you know. And yeah. then they crash. And then they wake up. And as long as they're not too hungover, they're in a whole new city, somewhere in the world to go explore. Yeah. So he he's not a heavy drinker at all anymore. And so he loves. Like getting up early, going in down. I mean, they go to every city in the world and just exploring. Nice. I'm like, man, that is the life. Now he has to leave a wife, wife and kids, you yeah. know, to, to go do that. But, um, but it was like, I, I was like, yeah. I mean, it, it's. I, th- I think he and he's he's very very amazing drummer, like a naturally gifted drummer as well. He's also put a lot of work into it, of course. But there's, I think there's something about that. You you you, you can be an artist. It's obviously like they say, melancholics are good artists. But people that have, people that have a. A, a, a life that there's different ways of kind of understanding your own intellect, especially people that are really smart and and not dumbing it down, but rather utilizing it in a way that can be fruitful. And I think art, like being in a band, can be one of those things. Any type of art, really. Yeah. But comedy can be an art, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, you know? yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a lot of creativity and observation. And yeah, I like uh, I like the stand up world. When you meet Sebastian Maniscalco, you okay. just give him my number. <laughs> I got some funny stuff for I'm him on the podcast. 
Okay, so we got Death Comes to the Archbishop. Okay. And they're running around. It's fantastic literature. Uh, she's a famous author, and um, part of that is from this book. So it recognizes just um, uh, very sophisticated literature. It, it has just kind of colorful descriptions of everything and mm. beautiful prose. Um, so well worth reading. It's a short read. Pick it up today. Nice. Whether or not you're going on road trip to Santa Fe. Yeah. I noticed it's desert. I mean, it's like oh. dry down there. Oh, in and Mexico I thought it was it dry is. over here, but it is dry down there. In you New get Mexico. south of Angel Fire in in New Mexico, that and all of a sudden like, it's just yeah, it, it turns into it's like severe high desert dust. Yeah. yeah. But it was profound. I mean, the colors are beautiful. The sky is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a cool, a cool place. We couldn't go to Christ in the Desert Monastery uh, because it's closed. COVID. Yeah. And uh, I would like a lot of these sites to update their website <laughs> so that you don't try to go somewhere. <laughs> Four Corners was closed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, some of it. We, we did pretty good, generally. Did you okay. do the steps and everything in Santa Fe? Or oh, I guess you're probably That's getting the next Sorry, one. sorry, sorry. Okay, so the, the three are Willa Cather's <laughs> okay. book. And then we went to Santa Fe, and it was kind of a pilgrimage. I'm with my parents, and they like pilgrimage, mm-hmm. you know. I do too, but um, I was on vacation, so I'm not in that mindset, but I'm glad that they kind of brought me back mm-hmm. into that. And so we went to um, this chapel of Loretto where there's this staircase, mm-hmm. miraculous staircase, and we'll talk about it in a second. And then the other one is Chimayo. Beautiful. You know? Yep. And that's just outside of Santa Fe. Yeah. It was maybe 20 miles or something. And uh, so, what do you think of the steps? You been there? I have. Do you know the story? The I've steps? been there quite a few times. I, I do. Um, I I love it because it is so practical. And like Saint Joseph, you just mm. his his fatherhood comes out. I'll let you tell the story in a second. But I just like to preface it, unless you want me to tell it. But, but yeah, there's tell it. okay. So um, so pretty much around the time of death comes the Archbishop. I mean, they're founding these missions and they're really trying to serve people. Yeah, and so they, this Archbishop LeMay, who was the first, yeah. he brought the Sisters of Loretto over there. Right. And I think, well, I want to say French, but it sounds like Italian. I'm not sure. Anyway. I'm not sure either. That's a good question. But they, they, they found a school and they, they found a convent. So they're teaching the, the natives um, in Santa Fe. And they, you know, they, obviously these, these, these men and women who found churches in like mission territory, they're just, they're practical. Like you, you put, you put me in touch in Rome with the, uh, with the um, Sisters of Charity. Yeah. Missionaries of Charity. Missionaries, Missionaries. of Charity there. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I loved it because they were so blunt and down to earth. They're like, oh, you came to work? That's what you're going to do. And like, yeah, you're not no, going to do the there's things. There's no nonsense. No. It's not like, yeah, they don't deal with that stuff. I was hoping because I, I got put, I was washing bed linens for like my job and I was I was put with this nun and I was like, oh great, I'm gonna ask her all these questions. And we get down there and start washing and they have no washing machine. Like you do everything by hand in, yeah. in, the, in Rome. So I'm sitting there, I'm washing bed sheets and she goes, okay, we're gonna pray the rosary like while we work. And I was like, all right, no questions, no answers, yeah, but beautiful right. rosary. And then I loved it because they're so used to praying the rosary without beads in their hand. I, th- I might have told this on the podcast earlier, but without beads in their hand, because they, of course, their both hands are doing something else. Yeah, you know, it's like full. a mom, you know, when you both your hands are full, how do you pray the rosary? So instead of like counting on their fingers, even because they're working, they had this system. And I wish I knew it, but she would say, you pray the Our Father, then she would say one God, and then you'd pray a Hail Mary. She'd say two persons or oh. two, two natures, three persons. 
like like four um, four angels or, or four you know four gospels, and they had one for each count, so yeah. they could count based upon these theological things. Yeah, and uh, reflect on the theology exactly, and they would do that so that they could they say it and keep the count with it while their hands were actually busy. Um, so, but it was so no nonsense that even when we were leaving, I think there was this, there was a little bit of like this one younger nun. She came and she said. Um, you know, I, I want to thank you. We don't normally do this, but can I bring you some juice? And like she literally brought us little shot glasses of apple juice oh. and like a little pastry. And uh, you could tell in her, she's probably more aware that most people want a little bit of the experience. They're not just there to work, but they're there to kind of have the experience. Yeah, and so and she wanted to thank sisters, us in some way, yeah, and see what they do. So that was really beautiful. But I, these, that's how these nuns were. And so they, they, I forget if they built it or somebody built them a a chapel that with without room for a staircase going up to the choir loft. So it was just a ladder. And of course, a ladder for older nuns and older people is harder to get up there. Yeah, so. And the girls who you know, were singing in the choir. Yeah, exactly. At the girls' school. So, so it was like just going up the ladder was hard. So they, they pretty much, without knowing that there really wasn't room for a staircase, were just trying to find a carpenter to build a staircase that would go up to the choir loft. And, um, and I don't know the whole story here, but some guy, they meet some guy who comes and builds this, this winding staircase, like the, a, a twirling staircase with no nails, nothing. Mm-hmm. And it, it is this tight, tight staircase that goes up exactly what they needed. No handrail, no supports, just going straight up from the ground up to the yeah. choir loft. Really, really tight spiral. Again, and no central pillar. No central, I mean, exactly. It's like a, a, a wonder of... Architecture, yeah. and woodworking. It's it's absolutely incredible. And he also did. I mean, it's a it's a tight bending spiral staircase, beautifully yeah. crafted. Yeah, I mean, Google just it. like this perfect shape. Yeah. And he did all of the the wood bending with cups of water. Oh my gosh! You know, like yeah. he's not. He doesn't have tools for yeah. bending the wood. And yeah. He, has, he might have had like presses. Or I don't know how, but it says on the thing that he, he just used cups of water. And yeah. So there's. It's very hard not to recognize that this is miraculous. Yeah. And, and you then, can go, it's, it's absolute artistic genius, even if you don't believe yeah. in miracles. Yeah. It's well worth traveling to see. And, and he didn't show up to get paid. Yeah, and then he disappeared. So he accepted zero pay. Yeah. yeah. And so they, they say that it was St. Joseph, the That's carpenter, right. you know, the house builder. So yeah, which I, which I think is amazing. So I, you know, it's, I love, I do believe in miracles, of course. I do believe in, in some way that it was St. Joseph. Um, but I also, I also just love how incredibly practical and down to earth it is. That's right. You know, because these women were, were absolute just heroic, like hard, you know, women that, that got done what they needed to get done. And, but they also understood their limitations. And when their limitations were met, St. Joseph himself stepped in because, and that, that's what faith is, right? You, you, you kind of work yourself to the, to the edge of exhaustion to, and then you just know that, that God's going to fill up what is lacking. And these women gave everything for the new missions. And then what they couldn't do, God just directly sent them his dad, yeah. his yeah, foster Yeah, I mean, father. and it's a testament to faith. It's not like the sisters were like, okay, now we need to start praying our novena right. for our capital campaign. Because right. <laughs> we need to fundraise. And we're God, please send us rich people or whatever. Yeah, it was yeah. just like, okay, how are we going to do this? And then, yeah. so I don't know, like you can't expect these things, but God blesses the mission. Right. You know, and the the sort of poverty of the mission God fills. Yeah, um, there, there's a monastery I know that I cannot name 
um, because this is a bit of a, a secret, but there's a monastery here in the U.S. Oh, my, um, secrets that, today. That, uh, that, yeah, exactly, that prayed, I'll tell you afterwards too, <laughs> but, oh, um, that, that, that pretty much prayed for a spring. I mean, how many times in, in the history of, of our faith have, have people prayed for water and mm-hmm. then just a miraculous spring pops up? And that's what happened for this monastery just recently. Wow. And they, they, so they have this miraculous spring that pops up that they just kind of found on their land. And now they have flowing water for the, for the monks and for the you know, guest house and everything. And it's just wow. this amazing thing. Well, this like, is real. Explicit gift you from know? our Lord, yeah. Mother Cabrini was up there in the mountains mm. and there was no water on that land. Exactly. She yeah. was given bad land. Yeah. And she had the orphans up there. Mm. It was kind of like their summer getaway. Okay. Um, and then there was a, a kind of a firehouse, but they had no water. So they couldn't use the land. Yeah. And she prayed and then a big well appeared <laughs> and still flowing. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay. All these years later. I feel, yeah, there's my, maybe like underground angels mm. that are just like carving cisterns. And, yes. Exactly. Water. Uh, okay, it's even, it's so scriptural, of course. Old the Loretto Chapel. Um, and we didn't get into the, um, the cathedral. I've been there before okay. and I liked the cathedral because they have retablos. Yeah. You know, like these particu- very particular kind of uh, saint icons that, I mean, it's, yeah, it's its own style, but you can see a certain simplicity about it. It's not Baroque art, Mm. you know, and it's not Byzantine art. Right. It's uh, very, very simple, but then something very profound in the simplicity Mm -hmm. and very um, unique, uniquely beautiful. So check that out. Have you been to ours? I have. So like a, a lot of those statues were actually like, Built and painted by Saint John Vianney, and oh, he wasn't really? an artist, so they still because I mean he was I mean he did the same thing. He was like a mission pastor out there. He went right. to go found something that was far away from everything else. But a lot of those, from what I heard, if I remember correctly, a lot of those statues were either done by him or by just one of the simple parishioners out in the country, wow. and they still have him up. So I mean, sometimes these the simplest are like look up Our Lady of Mariapoch in in Eastern Hungary, the icon, because that the same thing. It was it's not the best looking icon because it was done very simply, but it wept like God worked wow. it as a miracle. So when King when King Stephen took it to move it to uh, Vienna, when he did that because he wanted the miracle working icon near him, he gave them a nicer one, like a better looking one. And then he brought the miracle working one to the city, and then literally the new one started weeping. Oh, so it wasn't that. about it wasn't about yeah. the icon; it was, was about the city and the they people. They were going to throw it into the yard sale. <laughs> yeah. The parish, you know. No, they put it up because the they didn't. Have, they were missing an icon now, but then that one started weeping. Nice. It's just a Are they Maria Poch? M A R I A P O C S. I think that's part of the. I think that's really cool about the the reality of miracles. Yeah, it's always a surprise. Yeah, it's got to be a surprise. You know. We don't like expect it, and then oh, there it goes. Yeah. It's really uh, catches you off guard and grabs people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, last one is Chimayo. Nice. So there's this pilgrimage site outside of Santa Fe, and I, my my mom and I were asking, like, where are you supposed to walk from? It's a pilgrimage site, Santa but like, Fe. are you mm-hmm. from Santa Fe? So ah. they obviously have shorter ones as well. Um, but I think the original pilgrimage was from Santa Fe. Okay. And then, like every every uh, Holy Friday, Good Friday, there's there's a shorter pilgrimage. Ah. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know where that one's from. But that's thousands of people will do that one. Wow! But I believe the original pilgrimage. I have a friend who was whose family goes back to Santa Fe like three four hundred years. I mean, her family's been there forever, and and she grew up every single Good Friday doing the pilgrimage. I think she did the longer one at least once. Yeah. Okay. 
So Chamayo, maybe about 20 miles, I'm guessing that, mm-hmm. um, outside of Santa Fe, it was a site that was dedicated to um, the Santo Nino de Atoche, mm-hmm. who I had thought all along was Jesus, and now I'm realizing it's Santiago, St. Oh, James. Okay, I, I honestly had never looked into and it. And he has a shell, and he has this funky hat, like a sombrero, okay. and a pilgrim staff, but I never heard of any other Santo Nino mm, right. than Jesus. Yeah. So even when I was in Craig for two mm. years and we had this devotion to the Santo Nino de Atoche, and he's just like a little Jesus with his pilgrim stuff on. Yeah. And he's got sandals, but he's got to walk a long way. Right. So when you get a miracle from the Santo Nino, then you have to give him these little baby shoes. Okay. And so, um, and he does a lot of miracles. So um, that sounds weird to any Protestants who are. Because didn't, is that the one, I need to get back onto my Roman Catholic saints, but is it, isn't that the one where they'll actually find, who's the saint where they'll find the shoes all worn out? Is that, is that him? Uh, maybe. There's some know. saint where like every year the, the shoes wear out that they have on the saint. Oh, I, really? I think it is St. James Siri. somehow. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, th- oh, I, I suppose it could be. Someone's screaming He's into all the, like famous about, the, I know. Yeah, <laughs> speakers you, right people. now. <laughs> I wish that there was like a, you know, live update. So uh, he, yeah, when, you, when he does this, uh, a miracle, then you got to give him the little shoes. And we had shoes draped over him all the time. Okay. And then we got to collect them and give them to the, you know, <laughs> like we had a, a shelter okay. for pregnant women. And we'd give them the baby nice. shoes from Santo Nino. They might have just put them back. I don't know. But uh, you did your job. So he's um, this. Yeah, there's this shrine that was just dedicated to the Saint James, their um, pilgrim saint. Mm. And um, they they have this beautiful little chapel that was there, and um, people would come, and there was healings that began associated with the mud that was forming around where a crucifix Hmm. was buried. And so it wasn't, sometimes like crucifixes that are miraculous, like the one in in Spain that was miraculous during the time of the plague. Hmm. Um, It's like touch the wood or something like that. In this case, it was the mud that surrounded Hmm. and people would would rub it on wounds or broken bones or paralysis and and it would go away Hmm. miraculously. So it's something like Jesus spitting into the, you know the clay, yeah, and then rubbing mm-hmm. it on the eyes of the of I the blind. Never made that association. You know? So it's okay. the mud, right? And usually these things point to something mm. in the gospels, right? You know, it'd be kind of weird if it was just like rando, mm. you know, I don't, I don't know, ostrich or something, mm. right? <laughs> oh, there's an ostrich. I think at one point in the Psalms, holy ostrich. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so then you you go to this holy site and it's. It's beautiful to see if, as you go in the church and you get closer to the spot where the, the crucifix was buried, and then there's like a hole that's filled with um, dust and, and dirt. Mm-hmm. So you can take some home and, um, and pray for, with faith in Jesus and his healing power, mm-hmm. um, asking that you know, this uh, pilgrimage would be a request in faith for the healing of a loved one. Yeah. And in this, next to this little chapel, there's a room filled with crutches. Yeah. And they're just hanging there. It's like all oh, these crutches because people will come on their crutches and then be healed mm-hmm. and leave them there. And just leave them. That, that's very woman at the well. 
who yeah. left her bucket. That's very Bartimaeus, who left his his uh, blanket, his uh, cloak. You know, yeah, yeah. They kind of leave behind the sign of their infirmity or what they yeah. what they needed in the past, and now it's gone. Yeah, and I've never seen that before. Hmm. I don't know why that doesn't happen at every shrine. Yeah. Where there's um, miracles like that, but it's particularly beautiful. And there is something so simple about the place mm. that inspires confidence and faith. And I've really felt like, you know, my prayers for those who I know who are suffering things and in need of healing were um, just particularly like convicted and mm. fervent and trusting. Yeah. Like there was just an increase in faith. Like I know. And you remember Jesus says, if you pray with faith, you can move mountains, mm-hmm. you know? And I think... You know, that's hard to measure. Like, what is that? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. Is that enthusiasm? Is it when I feel really excited about mm-hmm. God or consoled or something? I don't think it's that. Is it like, okay, I've studied books and now I really all makes sense? I know enough, yeah. You know? No, I don't think it's that. So there is something mysterious about mm-hmm. faith and something of a pilgrimage inspires that, really stirs that up. Like, God can do things that are great, God wants to do great things for us and we can ask for them. And, um, and then, of course, part of the mystery is that we can't expect things um, because we don't know. We don't know what's best for ourselves. Right. So, and God does. That's a really good point, exactly. To pray and then, and then let God, because I'm thinking how, as you're saying this, I'm thinking, what, would it be amazing if the, our little shrine at our parish in LA that icon of our Lady Perpetual Help that we have there, if that became miraculous, I'm like, why am I defining this? Like, like let God do what he would. Mm. But there, it was true that, I mean, years ago when I first got assigned here to Denver, I thought, wouldn't it be beautiful to like create some sort of a pilgrimage system here where you went to just, you walked to different churches over the course of like a week and even like then maybe like allowed parishes, allowed people to keep, put up tents like on the property to kind of camp over. I like do a real pilgrimage. If you're walking and it could be totally laid back, like you just do it in your own time, but maybe you get little stamps or whatever in the different parishes you go to. You know, if you can walk or you can even drive it if you want to, but you know, you got to do these different systems, but have every, have every church you go to has like one part of the church, like a statue or an icon that, that, that is kind of the focus of that pilgrimage. Yeah, and then you get, you get, site. right. And then you have like a little explanation of who the saint is or what the image is. And so you, but then as you're getting there, you're kind of preparing for that experience, yeah. especially if you're walking, you know. Well, we used, to, we, we, we had talked about, and we, I think some of the guys had started this Camino Colorado mm. that was a, um, a pilgrimage on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Mm to Cabrini Shrine. But you kind of pass through a couple of parishes and churches. And um, yeah, I think it does make it more convenient if you have a place to stay. Yeah. So, yeah, on the Camino of Santiago in Spain, you have all these albergues along the way. Mm -hmm. And they're like kind of hostels. If you know, like a youth hostel in Europe is like a real cheap hotel where there's bunks and it just, you know, keeps the costs real low. And these over there are particularly geared toward pilgrimage. Mm. You know, they're kind of meditative and sometimes they have like sacred art or the people running them are like really, maybe had walked the Camino and then were really inspired and they moved there to run an albergue mm. to try to help pilgrims. Yeah. So, I mean, though it's, that's a longstanding, you know, site, yeah. a thousand years. So okay. Chamayo's going to get there. Yeah. And Colorado, <laughs> whatever, is going to get there. Right. But... Um, I mean, even the missions in California, mm-hmm. kind of like that. They're a pilgrimage 
I want to so do I, a. I want to do one and take a face seven vacation time, and I've almost had a vacation time this year, but one of these years and just do that, just hit the missions. I'm sure many people do that. Yeah, we did the PCH, yeah. my buddy and okay, I. Okay, nice. Yeah, and hit all the missions. Went to most of them. Actually, I have a kind of a frustrating experience oh. at the. The one I think it's San Luis Obispo where okay. Junipero Serra is buried. I was there just a couple. Oh, I don't think I think I would have known if he was buried there, but I was there just what three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah Saint Junipero Serra. Yeah, um, recently canonized. Controversial figure. I don't care about that right now. Nowadays, yeah, we can talk about that yeah. down the line. <laughs> I understand whatever, um, but anyway, we had been going to all these missions, and you pay a little bit for a tour. Okay. Okay. And. Um, and then it raises a little money for upkeep of the mission, which is important. I mean, they're old buildings and kind of all this stuff. So we're going up the, well, I've gotten like into maybe four or five of these places. And I get up to this site where uh, St. Junipero Serra is, and I'm sick of paying for the tour. <laughs> okay. I don't want a tour. <laughs> right. I just want to pray at the pilgrimage yeah, okay. site. And, uh, so then I'm getting all stubborn. Okay. I can do that sometimes. And I get in there, and the lady's like, okay, $6. And one adult, $6. And okay. I was like, nah, I'm going in to pray, and I don't need the tour. I don't okay. even need a brochure. I'm not even going to look at the art. I'll close my eyes. Okay. I just want to go <laughs> to the little cemetery next door and pray with this saint, you know, this missionary saint. Right. And, um, and he was beatified at the time, but mm. he, yeah, I mean, he was an inspiring mm. uh, missionary. And I consider myself a missionary. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to pray with this guy. Well, that's going to be $6. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm a religious pilgrim. Mm -hmm. Come here, I'm a seminarian. I'm Catholic. I'm inspired by this guy. I know a lot about his life. And uh, I would like to go pray at his tomb. Yeah, you can. Six dollars. <laughs> I was like, uh, not going to happen. I feel I, I feel like this is usury. <laughs> I feel like I'm being taken advantage of, and I'm not doing it. So I prayed outside of the fence. Okay. Just like right, kind of like looking through the crack to I see the it. cemetery. That's awesome. To see the gravestones. No, I totally regret it. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh. Why didn't I just pay the six bucks and go in and pray yeah. at the place? But it, it made for a good story and actually yeah. impressed his, um, his kind of life and death in my mind. Yeah. Like I, oh, I, I think see. of that with frustration, but I think of that. You know, yeah. like it's a memory. It's yeah. there. And then I pray or whatever. I just think there needs to be pressure on the system. To allow, you know, like a free will offering of just raise it to eight bucks. Yeah. Make it a free will offering. And then, and then people who, you know, don't have it or, or don't want to for religious reasons and don't want the scandal of the church paying, you don't have to pay for yeah. everything. Like, let, let the people go in. Or kind free. of, can you vet? Can you vet the people coming in and trust them? Like, if people are just yeah. coming in to pray, I mean, there, a, lot of the, a lot of the sites in Europe are like that. If you go okay. to Italy, you go to the Duomo in in, uh, in Florence. Okay, you can tell them, "Well, I'd like to go in and pray." Okay, and then you go in the side chapel and you go to an adoration chapel. Mm. You can you're in the church. You're right. praying with the sacred art in the space, and you're not you're apart from these guided tours. Yeah, and then if you want a guided tour, you you pay your thing. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right, another rant, be rant, yeah. rant number two about <laughs> <laughs> pilgrim sites. That is, I got in a big conversation at it, actually at Catfish's funeral with somebody that was like there. Rest in peace, Catfish. Yeah, rest in peace, Catfish. We love you. Like his, uh, one of his, um, 
I think it was a family member, was, was like, he's like, one of the main reasons I've left the Catholic Church was because of the mishandling of finances and just yeah, the whole financial thing. People and I'm like, really... you know, sometimes people are going to make any excuse. They're going to leave for something else and then just find something that's pretty easy to argue, you know. Um, but I think also we do need to, we do need, so like I've, I've been doing this kind of weird, you'd like this, Mike, you, you, you'd be right on board with this because it's a bit of a controversial thing. But if somebody- I'll be the judge of that. Thank you. If, if, if somebody, yeah. <laughs> if somebody, so I made this friend um, in, in LA who's a, What's called an all, she does alternative funerals, which means oh, that if you have why? no religious nice. background and and you you don't have any you don't belong to a parish or any religion you know you're agnostic or whatever and you just want a funeral then she'll step which is very LA you know she'll step in and pretty much do whatever you want sure. and then if she if she gets the impression that someone in the family wants some sort of ritual like it does not matter if it's Christian or what some sort of ritual then she texts me. Oh. And I got permission to go in and do a prayer for the dead. So I'll go in and cast. I mean, it's totally secular people. I walk in there with cassock after helium over my shoulders, stole, yeah. and I'll chant the Panahita or something like that. And I'll chant it and I'll do it I bet they love as we it. do it. They do. Yeah. I've gotten so much good feedback. But every time I do it, she tries to pay me like these massive amounts of money oh. for doing this. And I'm like, for a 10 minute service, she's trying to give me two, $300. Uh. And I'm just like, I like it is so much more worth it for me to walk up to this totally secular woman who, and, and the whole crowd, and to say, like, I'm here because I want to pray for the dead. And I, I think that is so important, even though none of you may believe what I do, it's so important that I am not going to, I'm not going to take your money. And then the Holy Spirit put this thing on my mind where I was reading, the, I did this a couple weeks ago, or last week, this woman's on her funeral card. It says that she was a parishioner at St. Augustine's Roman Catholic Church. I'm going, mm-hmm. I, sh- like, I'm, I was afraid I was causing scandal because here's a Catholic woman who died and here I am like supporting an alternative funeral oh. rather than have sending her there. But I didn't know this until I got there. So I went up to the, now again, it was an irregular marriage. And so the church might not even let them have a funeral. I don't know, but I just went up to the- oh, She probably just wasn't practicing for a long time. Right. And the it, family yeah. didn't know what to do. And, and I, so she had this kind of live-in boyfriend that she was with and-, and um, and so I just said, I said, I saw that on the funeral card that she was that she used to go to St. Augustine's. I said, do you know? She's like, oh yeah. He's like, I've, I've been there with her. And I said, I gave him 10 bucks. And I was just like, can you please have a mass said for her oh, at St. Augustine's? Cool. And I was like, that was just a Holy Spirit moment. He's like, mm. what does that mean? And I was like, literally just call the office and just say, my, my, my significant other just died, you know, and, and somebody gave me 10 bucks to have a mass for, in her memory. And I told him, I was like, just say that. I gave him my card. Like, if you forget the words I'm saying, just call me and I'll, I'll tell you what you could do. But I thought, you know, this is, there, there's little ways of saying, not only do I not want money, but I'm willing to pay yeah. even those just 10 bucks to do something right as, you're as convicted the church asks. About, yeah, it's a spiritual work of mercy. Yeah, exactly. Or a corporal work of mercy. And sometimes yeah. I think those, those, are, those can be beautiful moments of evangelization when the Holy Spirit puts those things on our hearts. And we companions, any money we get from those things goes to, grab it, to, to uh, yeah, gratis anyways. Like yeah. it goes to the poor. So, so it's really, it was really easy for me to do. But th- you know, there's something like, sometimes I think if we think outside the box in those ways and say, give people the option of saying the church is gonna go out of its way to support your spiritual life rather than you feeling like it, it needs something from yeah. you in order to, to have this. Well, and it's just tangible. I mean, like, I, I, well, 99% of the time, yeah. the church is using money well right. Absolutely. and using it very efficiently to help people. Yeah. Well, you know, whether that's running a church or tons of charitable work, yep. it's usually managed very well. Yeah. And I've learned that. Um, but if you just come to church, you don't necessarily know that. 
Right. You know, if you right. just come on Sunday and you, you know, you, you're there at mass and you like it, you don't like it, whatever. Yeah. Um, you don't see behind the scenes. Yeah. And at, at least I can tell you uh, it's trustworthy yeah. and it's really good. But then there are these moments where you can, you can show that even when it comes to financial things, which everybody suspects everybody's greedy or right. not just greedy, but like worried about money. Yeah. Then you can show like, no, the most important thing for us is grace. Yeah. Most important right. thing for us is souls and Jesus. Right. You know? So whatever. The money, you know, if and we these, can spend it for good or these shrines need money for upkeep. Probably need a lot of money for yeah, upkeep. Yeah, now I'm so, so now I sound like a hypocrite. <laughs> I just pay your six dollars. Yeah, right. But but I mean there's a sense like we need to support those things or or they're gonna fail. I like that they, they they are helpful to the spiritual lives of those who visit them. So they need money. But like I love same cafe here in Denver. Why? Because you you go in there and you pay what you can to or pay what you want to I guess to eat a meal. Yeah. And they ask for about six bucks, you know. But you yeah, can this work is for a an restaurant hour where you can. Um, well, they, they try to make it on donation, yeah. And then they'll feed people who are just hungry and don't have anything yeah. to pay, or and they'll let you work for an hour you, for a meal. Yeah, you healthy work. healthy organic food. So it's not only like giving a guy a McDonald's gift card, but you're saying like come to same cafe. I'll pay for your food. You can have a healthy, organic slice of pizza, salad, and a drink, and you'll sit next to a millionaire who's sitting next to a homeless guy. Mm-hmm. So I love the dignity aspect of it. Like it's good food, healthy food, clean place because they have so many volunteers helping. Like clean place, and you're sitting there, and it's such a dignity builder. Because I, I look through the windows at Elways, and I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'm never going to eat at Elways. Actually, shout out to my buddy who brought me to Elways one time. But, but I, 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 yeah, I'll never eat at Elways. It's like a big, expensive restaurant. Yeah, it is. But anyway, we're, we're getting close to an hour, if not there already. So All right, we well, I could do this forever. It's good to see you, you man. You too, Mikey. Thank you. I uh, already gave my shout outs to the, the guys at St. John's Seminary in Camarillo. Oh, yeah, okay. Otherwise, um, to my sister Maggie, who was on the, okay. on the pilgrimage. Nice. And uh, is going to be married at the end of this month. Okay. So I'm I'm very proud of her and love her and nice. it was a great experience before you know she's taken on a family life that'll cool. probably limit the possibilities of doing this. Nice. Well, I'll give a shout out to Father Jeff Dufresne, who's the guy here who's visiting from Indianapolis. Um, good a good friend of Sister Natalia as well. And I want to give a shout out to uh, my new podcast. Yeah. Called Oh, we got to promote what God is not, and it, it's me not. and Sister Natalia. And is it's, it? It's apophatic. Apophatic, exactly. Apophatic, mystery, not. wonder, awe. It's a very Byzantine thing. So me and Sister Natalia called What God Is Not. We're now on iTunes and Spotify. And, and, and she does it from the convent? She does. So we, we do it distance. Um, but we've known each other for a decade now. And it's, it's, we love each other immensely. And we, we, you know, it's, it's been really good. Father Michael said um, that he would hold a spot for me to be on his podcast. Absolutely. So I'm announcing that just so that he will be held accountable because I want to be Absolutely. on there. Absolutely. What God is not. Yeah. So it's it's basically just kind of, it's kind of like this where we we talk we decide on topics and we we talk we chat about it and kind of our, our processing of the theology happens real time, um, which I love. Um, I, but you I, got a female voice, exactly. Yeah, and a yeah. mind, you know, and, and, a, and like, a religious, and someone who is is within months of she had her her final profession delayed because of COVID, so she's still in this very end zone of her discernment of becoming of celibacy. Oh, yeah. So we talk a lot about religious life, celibacy, and then just the Byzantine Catholic Church and the Catholic Church in general and things like this. So yeah, we'd love yeah, to the check angel it out. Angel wings, the Raphilian. There we go. Yeah. What did you call it? 
The uh, oh, rapidia. Rapidia. Okay. <laughs> I thought you knew something I, just made I didn't. That up. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> the Nephilim. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, God bless you. Safe you travels, Becky Cali, man. Wonderful to see you. I'll be back hopefully soon. We can do this again, and then of course I'll have you on mine as well. California knows how to party. Yeah. All right. God bless y'all. Love you. Be well. Mm-hmm.